Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. Hey, John, guess where I am today? Where is Shug today? I am in Lake Toxaway, North Carolina. And here's a little trivia for you. Did you know that North Carolina is the furniture capital of the world? I, I mean, we just got here today. We're here for three weeks. I mean, you know where I'm going to be. I don't have a house to buy furniture anymore, but I'm going to go and look at it because I, I enjoy that. <laughs> but uh, enough about me. We're on the road, friends, as I had promised, on the road, Him for Her Ministries. Uh, and we're doing women's hot topics. And I have got a fabulous guest with us today. I asked her to come back on with her precious time. I really appreciate it to do a part two. And her name is Erica. Erica, I'm so thankful that you're on. Erica Wigginghorn. <laughs> Wigginghorn. <laughs> you know, if this wasn't live like this, I'd have John pull that out for me. It's Erica Wigginghorn. Thank you so much, Erica, for joining us. And I'm only getting older, by the way. Thank you. I only know you. I feel like you're my personal friend. And look at what happens. Okay, now everything else you can just let all hang out because nothing gets much worse than that. But I got to tell you, this is such a good book, you guys. It's called Letting God Be Enough. Why Striving Keeps You Stuck and How Surrender sets you free. And today's topic is called Why Striving Keeps You Stuck. Do you guys see this book here? If all the first five people that go to our website at himforher.org and put in the word striving, I will send this book to you for free. The first five people go to our info email at himforher.org and I will send that to you. Uh, but I'm just so excited about this book and I'm so thankful, Erica, that you came on with me. Again, I, you're a glutton for punishment, friend. <laughs> no, it is such a joy to be with you. I'm so happy. And so I'm, you guys, come on YouTube with us. We're on YouTube. Like us, subscribe, whatever. You don't want to miss the show. We've got a lot of exciting ones coming up. Um, but let me tell you a little bit about Erica. Erica is an award-winning author and a founder of Every Life Ministries. Listen to part one. We covered a lot of topics about striving and women and what we do when we get stuck and what some solutions might be to that. Um, and what she does is, I love that, as a founder of Every Life Ministries, she brings you truths of scripture to what? To transform your life by digging deeply into God's word. Erica is an author of three Bible studies. You guys got to check it out. They're released by Moody Publishers. And where can our friends find you, Erica? Uh, you can find me at my website at ericawigginhorn.com. <laughs> Would you like me to spell that or you I, put it in your show Can you notes? see my lips? I'm like, <laughs> spell it out. <laughs> uh, E-R-I-C-A. Oh, we got uh, that part. <laughs> okay. W-I-G-G. E-N-H-O-R-N, ericawigginhorn.com, like a wig and a horn. Dot com. And we're <laughs> yes. going to say it again, ericawigginhorn.com, people. Go on yes. there, look at her Bible studies, check out her website. It is amazing. Um, and she's got a lot of tips and suggestions for us women who get stuck. The Bible studies are fabulous. And we talked about um, some of that in the first show. But, you know, I want to get into the meat 
The second show is always usually my favorite if it's a two-parter because I like to get, now that I know you really well, Erica, <laughs> I'm going to ask you questions. Stump, stump the author. That's what this is oh, going to be. Oh, boy. Okay. So All right. I'm going to ask you some challenging <laughs> questions if I can. And I know that John's taking notes in the background so that he does never get stuck in striving. Every time. It, yeah, he's, he's going to be uh, free, free for sure. Okay, in your book, um, you talked about identity, and we talked about that in part one, how we, if we allow God to forge our new identity, um, then we will be free. However, otherwise, here's the clincher, ladies, we will pass this down, the shackles of self-doubt to our next generation. I tell you, just the words that you use, shackles of self-doubt, I don't want any of my kids to have that. Um, what suggestions do you have for us not to pass that down? Yeah, well, we have to recognize it and acknowledge it within ourselves, right? I mean, scripture tells us, like, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what we're told in First John. And I think the problem becomes is that some of these thought patterns and emotional responses and behaviors we don't identify them as sin. We just, we're used to them. They're, this is how we, this is our default, right? I default into self-doubt. I default into saying negative things about myself. I default into uh, deflecting and running away and, and trying to shirk responsibility. Or I default into this endless cycle of performance to try to keep everybody happy. But every human has their default patterns. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, does that default pattern honor God? Does it reflect what God says about me and who I am? And if it doesn't, then it's sin. Because essentially what I'm saying to God is, I know that you say all these things about me in scripture, but until another human comes along and confirms that to me, I'm just not really going to believe you. I'm going to mm-hmm. think what I want to think about myself. And that's sin. Yeah. There's no other prettier word for it. It's sin. We're basically telling God he's not right. What you say is not true. And we'll pass that sin down to the next generation if we don't acknowledge it and confess it before God and say, I don't want to believe things about myself that are rooted in lies. Mm-hmm. I want to believe what you say about me, God. And, you know, I work with a lot of addicts and women who have been incarcerated. And just this truth is so powerful. And what I appreciate about what you wrote in your book is that you give us questions to really reflect and think about it. How am I doing that? What does that look like? How do I change it? And I think the most important part, ladies, is prayer. You know, just talk to God. Ask him. Ask the Holy Father to... um help you not pass down this baggage to your kids. Uh, this, I, I love the shackles, the word that you used. It's such a powerful word. Um, you know, in last show, you talked a little bit about adoption as well, since we're on the topic of kids. And um, you've adopted, is it two children? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two. And I love, love in your chapter on jealousy, how you talked about your struggles of not being able to get pregnant and having difficulties being happy for someone um, who was and how God took you through that journey. That was just such a powerful story. And you got to get the book, ladies, to read on it. Um, But it made me really think about self-doubt in children who have been adopted. How have you been able to handle that so that they're not striving um, Mm -hmm. to try to find self-worth 
maybe because they felt abandoned? Yeah, great question. So I think what we have to realize is that, you know, you nailed it. And even how you phrased the question that a big, big part of our self-doubt is rooted in this idea of our identity, right? And so our lack of identity really comes from either two things. It comes from a lack of intimacy with God, uh, or it comes from an imperception of God's power and his character. So we are either not really understanding the greatness of who God is or the goodness of his character. We're either that's part of the problem. Um, and we're therefore not understanding who we are. And when we are not understanding those two things, then self self doubt, it just comes in like a flood. The enemy takes strong, strong advantage of that. And so when it comes to the area of adoption, um, you know, the, the identity piece gets a little more complicated, right? Because our identity primarily is formed through our family, right? We, we first gain our identity generally through our parents. So when you have an adoptive situation, it's like, okay, well, um, I don't even know if I, if I know my biological parents and then I have my adoptive parents and can I really gain an identity from them because they're not my flesh and blood. And so it can just, it can cause a lot of complication. And so what I love about uh, letting God be enough and how the person that God uses is the greatest self doubter of the Bible to lead us on this journey of freedom and understanding our identity. And, you know, God through Moses' entire life, God was trying to get Moses to understand his identity as God's chosen child. Mm -hmm. And once we wrap our minds around that identity, that we are God's chosen child, that is when we find our security and this self-doubt becomes silenced. And wouldn't you know, Shug, that the person in the Bible that God chose to lead us on this journey to help us understand this loving father who calls us his chosen child, Moses' scripture's first mention of adoption. Moses was adopted, right? We know he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter in the Egyptian court and given over to her probably around the age of three or four. And so this is the first time we see adoption in scripture. And what do we see? We see this incredible self-doubt and fear of inadequacy. So God in his great wisdom shows us, look, this is a, this is something that is common to man. Um, but it will be something that is a greater struggle maybe for a person who has undergone adoption. You know, I had a aha moment when I was reading and you were talking about Moses and you said it, and I'll say it in my own words, but you said it much better, but you said something like, um, you know, it, it wasn't the challenges of, you know, it took, it took Moses a bit to figure this out that it wasn't the leadership issue. It wasn't the issue of leading his people and getting Pharaoh to release them. It was something else. And I'm not going to tell you guys what it is because I want you to pick up the book because it was so good. And I'm like, aha, 
That's exactly what we all need. And so, you know, you've really got to pick up this book. It's called Letting God Be Enough, Why Striving Keeps You Stuck. And that's today's topic, Why Striving Keeps You Stuck and How Surrender Sets You Free. Go to my website, himforher.org, H-I-M number four, her, H-E-R dot org, and fill in the, in the info line, Strive. And we will send you a free book to the first five people. You guys, you got to check it out. Because, I, I mean, we're traveling along the road. We're going across the states. And I'm sitting next to my husband. And he loves it when it's quiet, when he's driving. <laughs> and all of a sudden I go, ah, ah, you got to hear this, honey. And I started reading these sentences off to him. And he was laughing. He goes, okay, go back to your book. <laughs> but it was, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Okay, so as I'm reading this, um, you told a story about your father and... Um, and, and disappointments. And he, and I'm just going to summarize real quick. Your father was ill. Um, you wanted to move closer to him. You guys packed up jobs, et cetera, tried to move as close as you could to him. I think it was still three hours away. Um, but you were really then wondering, did we make the right move? Because things weren't going as planned. Um, so let me ask you this question. How do you know when it's your will or if it's God's will? Is it your striving or you need to stay in perseverance? Would you share that with us? Just a tiny little yeah. question, that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so I think uh, one, of the th- one of the lies of the world that we have uh, really believed took line and sinker is just this whole thought process that, you know, if I, um, you know, I'm operating in my passions and I'm using my strengths and you know, this is, this is God's plan for me. And this is what I was created to do. You know, it's going to be exhilarating and it's going to be thrilling and I'm going to experience success because this is what I was made for. Um, This is really what the world teaches us. Right. And we have really adopted that philosophy into our Christian life um, a lot. You know, even when we start talking about things like, well, let's figure out what your spiritual gifts are, you know, well, then we always have to couple couple it with, well, what are you passionate about? But, you know, when I read the scripture, I don't find any person. Now, may you know, you may know the Bible better than I do, but I have yet to come across any person who, when God said to them, hey, guess what? I have an assignment for you and you're going to go do this. The person's response was, well, giddy up. I have been, I am made for this. I mean, this is exactly what I've been praying. Like I wanted to do. I can totally see how I'm the girl for this job. Like you made me for this God. I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Rather, what I see is people going, wait, me? Wait, wrong girl, wrong girl. Maybe that person would be better choice. Um, Or they run and hide in fear or they're like, how can this be? This makes no sense. Um, I don't get it. Uh, That is the answer that we see, or we see fear. Uh, We see just being utterly confounded that God would issue this assignment or this call upon their life. And so First of all, we have to realize we've adopted a lie of the world when it comes to what God has called us to do. And then second of all, what we need to see um, is when we talk about striving versus perseverance, what is the difference? I'll tell you what the main difference is. The main difference is, is if we're operating out of fear or we're operating out of joy. 
and love. Because when we're striving, we're operating out of fear. And it sounds a lot like this. If I don't do X, Y, Z, this is going to fail. If I can't get this person to see it my way, this is going to fail. And we are operating out of a fear of failure. Perseverance sounds a whole lot more like this. Um, I don't know what God is doing here, but when I pray about it, I sense God is telling me to do this next thing. When we're operating in perseverance, we're not worried so much about the outcome as much as we're worried about obedience. We've released the outcome to God. Well Um, said. But we realize that just because we can't see where God is going doesn't mean he has stopped leading. And so we're still sitting at his feet, listening for our next step, but we're not tied to the outcome. We've released the outcome. We are only tied to pleasing him and being obedient. I love that. And that's how you deal with disappointment too. I mean, you know, things, I loved your analogy and your story that you shared about, um, you know, Moses didn't think things were going his way, but look at, had he not, you know, gone through those steps, God would not have been able to to show his power in such a magnificent way. And, you know, in dealing with that, that's just huge. Um, you know, I also loved, uh, I, I, by the way, I loved your words. I actually had one of those quotes down where you said about God leading. Um, I just love that. I love your book. So um, here it is, page 85, got it written down. Just because we cannot see where God is leading doesn't mean he hasn't stopped leading us. I'm going to reread that. Just because we can't see where God is heading doesn't mean he has stopped leading I, I, I wanted to stick these up in my RV. If I had enough room, I would do that. So um, I, I want to move on if I can, because I really, there's two more topics I want to make sure we have time to cover. Uh, one is on distractions. And why do I want to talk about distractions? Well, look at me, people. I'm, I'm easily distracted. And, but I'm the kind of woman who can do like 10 things at once. And I feel I do them all with excellence. Right, John? <laughs> but otherwise... Impressive. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> juggling jealousy is another thing I want to talk about, too. If someone looks like they're having success, but you're not and you're striving, because remember, we're talking about being stuck and striving and what freedom uh, is there. Um, I want to talk on just those two topics. I know they're really big ones right before we close. But you talk about the word God fidence. I hope I'm saying like, like confidence, but God fidence. Um, And so if you could touch on that when you talk about distraction and jealousy, that would be great. Yeah. So that's basically the the whole idea of having Godfidence is just this belief that God is always going to act in a right, proper and effective way on our behalf. It's living in this this mindset that God is with me and God is for me and God is paving my path for me. Right. Like that's exactly what God did for for Moses and the Israelites, right? He went before them and they followed God. And so it's this idea that, you know, wherever God is is taking me, um, he is working on my behalf and he is working effectively and he is working for my good. So if my path looks different than the path of the person next to me, that's because my path is for my best good and her path is for her best good. Okay, so, so let's let's pause a second on that. That just blends right in with social media, ladies. 
I love what you said. This woman's path might be different than your path. Her perfect path is not what your messy path is, but God has got this. So thank you for touching on that. I just wanted to say that word social media. It's a, it's a killer. Comparison kills. So continue. I love that. God confidence. Yes. And then when it comes to distractions, what we have to say is, do I really believe God has a plan for me? And is he faithful to guide me in that plan? Um, Because if he is, then I need to be intentional about growing in intimacy with him so I can discern where he's leading me and when and not worry about where God is leading the person next to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that becomes so freeing because now I don't have to listen to the voices in my head that tell me lies that I don't have a purpose and God's not going to do anything good in my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm no good and I'm useless and I don't have to listen to any of that when I'm walking forward in Godfidence. I don't have to listen to, well, her life is so perfect and she has all this going on. And, you know, my life right now just consists of making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and folding two loads of laundry a day. Um, I don't have to go down that path either. So it's really taking our eyes off of our immediate circumstances and placing them in the hands of an eternal God. You don't know what tomorrow holds for her. You don't know what tomorrow holds for you. But what you do know is that God is with you today and he has placed certain roles and responsibilities right in front of you. And he's asking you to be faithful Mm -hmm. and he will show himself faithful to you. And you, you give such wonderful stories that go along with that, that help support what you just said uh, in your book. I really enjoyed it. And that merges us right into uh, juggling jealousy. Um, you know, I know that I touched a little bit on the beginning about you were pregnant or you wanted to be pregnant and a friend had become pregnant and you had feelings of jealousy. I know as everybody I mean, you don't think I look out and I'm like, look at that guy's radio show. Look at John's radio show. It's so much better than mine. But, you know, as a joke, I'm joking with that. But what I'm saying is that we all deal with jealousy. And I think it's good to to nip it in the bud. And so can you share with us a little bit about what you share and what helps you get through that difficult time as you're striving and then someone else becomes successful and you're looking at your life differently? Yeah, uh, that is something, again, social media just really just does a number on us. I mean, every time, every time we're opening up that device, we are really inviting the bug of jealousy to come in and bite us because what everybody's going to post on there is their very best day, not, not even their average day, right? Like their very best day. That's what we're going to see. And so um, you know, when I find myself really struggling with jealousy and, and for me, jealousy doesn't always sound like, oh, I can't believe she has this or she has that. Jealousy in my mind can oftentimes sound a lot like this. It can sound more like, you know, what's wrong with me that I'm not as successful as she is? What am I doing wrong that I'm not experiencing the same reaction as she Mm -hmm. is because, um, and so jealousy can sound a lot of different ways. And so I think we have, one of the things we need to do really is be in tune with how does jealousy sound in your head? 
and really identify that so we can silence it when it starts to hiss in our ear. And what tips, what tips can you give us that, that help you silence it immediately? Yeah. So some of the tips that really help me are um, I will take social media fasts. When I see that I'm really struggling with jealousy, I will make it a point to stay off of social media for a few days and read my Bible instead. Um, that's a big one. Um, another big one is prayer. Um, I will get out uh, just my prayer journal and I will just write out the emotions that I'm feeling. And I get it out on paper because in my mind, as I'm getting it out on paper, I am literally handing it over to God. And I'm saying, these are all the things that I feel, but I know they're not true. And so I want to get it out of here. I want to get it out of my heart and out of my head. And I want to give it to your hand, into your hands, Jesus, so you can take it and cover it with your truth. Um, I'm just a very visual person. So that helps me to visually see it and just rip it out of the notebook and wad it all up and throw it away and say, Jesus, it's yours. Yeah. Um, but we have to, we have to realize something, you know, our emotions are not the things that are bad. It's what we do with those emotions that become bad. And so a lot of times we can get our emotions are indicators of what we are thinking about ourselves and about God, but our emotions are not dictators. They mm -hmm. do not get, they're not the boss of us. They don't get to tell us what we're going to do um, as a result of how we feel. They are merely indicators of, I need to get off my device. I need to open up my Bible more today. I need to listen to praise music more today. I need to put away that magazine about health and nutrition and take my kids through the Chick-fil-A drive through and realize they won't die. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I need, to, you know, so... You know, whatever it is, whatever your thing is that gets you all beating yourself up or comparing, comparing yourself to someone else, identify that thing and then figure out what is what is going to help you um, release some of that jealousy. Because mm -hmm. the jealousy is coming from an input that you need to, to cut off. Absolutely. So, and I think as as. That was my two-minute warning, people. I only got two minutes, two minutes worth of talking. Um, but, you know, as well, um, Erica, I want to make sure that our listeners know, you know, you can have this jealousy around other families' children. Like, you might be comparing how you mothered your children and then how they turned out, and you're like, I was an excellent mom. But yet, uh, you might have some struggles. Maybe you've got a wayward child. Or you might look at another sure. family and go, she was a terrible mother. And look at how good her kids turned out. How did that happen? Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, I'm, I'm telling it real. I mean, this is just what women think sometimes. Yeah. And so I, I think everything you said just now can be applied to that. Um, tell us again where our listeners can find you, Erica. Yeah, you can find me on my website. It's just ericawigginhorn.com. It's E-R-I-C-A-W-I-G-G. E-N-H-O-R-N.com. 
And that's when you're done fasting on your uh, your phone and your computer. Friends, if you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I'm asking to that. Indeed, you would invite him into your heart today. But the most important thing is you've got to surrender. Surrender to him and expect that freedom that he will give you in peace. This is Shugbury. You know I love you. Over and out.